If you have your Bible this morning, you open up to the book of Malachi. We're going to look at one verse primarily this morning as we discuss the subject of miracles. You know, oftentimes folks will ask the question, why is it that God does not do miracles today as we read about in the Bible? We read about the parting of the Red Sea, and we want to see that in our day, don't we? It'd be nice to go up to Lake Texoma and just uh, watch it just part right down the middle and walk across on dry ground, wouldn't it? That, that might inspire some of us. Some of us might say, well, I, I would have a newfound faith and I would believe more fully and more strongly and more completely. And my word to you is that Jesus says don't look for signs and don't look for these miracles to be the bedrock of your faith uh, because the enemy can do all kinds of things which are spectacular in that sense. A suspension of the natural uh, in order for something beyond the natural to take place. But we're not to depend on these things, but we enjoy them. We enjoy hearing stories of them. And we enjoy uh, being a part of them when it happens in our life that something unusual happens. Uh, but we have yet probably any of us to see a burning bush. And probably we have not seen Lake Texoma part for us, right? Uh, except in our wild imaginations. And so we're left with the question, does God do any of that kind of thing today? Uh, and it's a valid question, a valid point. And, and my short answer is yes. God is still in the business of miracles. Uh, God is still in the business of doing the supernatural, doing something beyond the natural. Uh, we just have to have eyes to see. Now, I want you to stay with me this morning, okay, as we discuss this and, and, and consider the answer I just gave you. But the short answer is just that. God is a God who is real. Now, I challenge you that that is one of the things that we so often lay aside in this generation. We have a lot of religious atheists who attend church every Sunday. Uh, they're very religious people. They enjoy being religious. And, and, and they, they, they enjoy the pomp and circumstance of church. They enjoy the liturgy of their church. They enjoy the hymns that they sing and that grandma Sing. And it makes them feel nostalgic and it makes them feel warm inside. It makes them feel comfortable because it's familiar. But in reality, they have not connected to the God those hymns are about. And God is real. He is living. And he has told us that the just will live by faith, not works, not by your own works or faithfulness or anything you can do, but by faith in Christ and what he has done and what God can do and what he continues to do. In the world around us. And he is doing just that. Moving and working. In the world around us. I read a story recently. About an eastern king. Which illustrates. Our delusion. And how we so often miss God's work around us. He had one of his counselors come to him. And they were in the garden of the, of the palace. And they were discussing the grandeur of the place. And the beauty of the place. And the counselor was discussing the mystery and the wonder and the beauty of God's handiwork. And this king was not really a believer. And he said, show me a sign and I will believe in God. To which the counselor said, here are four acorns, my Lord. Would you plant them in the ground? And he did so. And then would you now go stare into the pool of water next to us for a second? The king did. The king looked up and there were four great oak trees where he had planted the acorns. And he said, what a magnificent sign from God. Now I can believe. 
And the counselor asked him, he said, how long were you gazing into the water? He said, for only a second. He said, no, and actually you gazed into the water for 80 years. King looked down at his clothes, which were threadbare. He looked at his reflection in the pool of water, and he was an old man now. He said, well, this is no miracle at all. He said, oh, you're wrong. It is a miracle. How does an acorn become an oak tree? Can you make that happen? Can you make that happen yourself? I can't make that happen. You can't make that happen. But we miss the mystery of the fact that it does happen. You plant an acorn and it becomes an oak tree. We miss the mystery of God. We miss it because we live in a world in which we are bombarded with sci-fi, Star Wars, and Star Trek. And because our mind is in the fantasy, we have missed the reality of just how big God is and how wonderful he acts around us all the time. There was a man who was an alcoholic one time and he, he came to know Christ. He got saved from his sin and he gave up the bottle. And some of his friends came to him and said, you don't really believe all this stuff, do you? He said, you don't believe all of those miracle stories in the Bible that you read, do you? You don't believe that Jesus actually turned water into wine, do you? He said, absolutely, I do. Because in our house, Jesus changed whiskey into furniture. Yeah. Miracles happen. But I realize that when we're asking this question, we're really talking about the parting of the Red Sea, aren't we? God speaking into our life in a very special way. That happens too. It happens all the time. People are still healed of sickness. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, people are, are, are still healed today of illnesses by the power of God through prayer. Uh, people see miraculous things happen in their life. And God answers their prayers in miraculous ways. Absolutely, he does. There is still and there still are times when God suspends the natural law or speaks in some extra way, some some extra kind of beyond the natural, beyond the norm kind of way into our life to do something unusual. I came across a story that illustrated that I wanted to share with you too. And I know I'm full of stories today, but there was a story of a fellow. His name was David Newkirk. He's now the youth pastor at the Church of the Open Door in Glendora, California. And one night he woke up in the middle of the night. Now he was still exhausted from a basketball game that he had played the night before. He'd only been asleep for about 20 minutes. He said he was really sound asleep because he was so exhausted, but he was just jarred awake and he felt like God had woke him up and impressed upon him strongly so much so he couldn't get away from it that he was supposed to pray for his brother. Not only that, as he was catapulted from his sleep to pray for his brother, Dan, who was in Israel, uh, his mother and his sister were also awakened at the same time to pray for him. Now, Dan, his brother, had been in Israel, and he was running out of money. And so he had decided on this particular night he was going to sleep in the park on a bench. Now, he must have been young and crazy, right? But he decided he's going to sleep on a bench in the park. And as he lay there that night, a dog got in a fight with a chicken, only in Israel, right, underneath the bench. And they were fighting with one another and barking one another. So he couldn't, couldn't separate the animals, so he finally he just got up and he moved and went to another bench on the other side of the park. A few hours later that morning, a bomb went off underneath the bench that he had originally been laying on, blowing it up into smithereens. And he's still here. God had awakened 
his brother, his sister, and his mother to pray for him. Now, why couldn't God just do that without awakening them? Now, there certainly is the possibility God could have done this without waking these others up, but he decided to make them a part of what he was doing in that night. And through that, we see the miraculous, God doing something beyond the usual, something unusual, allowing us to participate in his life and something that he's doing in this world around us. And that's what a miracle is. If you're talking about someone being healed or you're talking about someone being rescued from a bomb, what it really amounts to is just as the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, they are participating in the life of God in something that he is doing. And I want you to understand something this morning. God invites you and I to be a part of his life in just the same way. God invites us, each of us in this day and time, in the 21st century, to be a part of what he's doing today. And I know this based on what we saw just a moment ago in the book of Malachi. God never changes. There's a theological term for this. It's called the immutability of God. Now now you say, I don't need that word, right? Just give me the hillbilly version of this. All right. Well, I'm going to give it to you this morning. God is immutable. And what that means is, is that he is Lord, just as he said in this passage in Malachi, and he does not change and he cannot be changed. Now, this does not mean that he always acts the same, but it does mean he always remains the same in character and person. He doesn't always act the same, but he always is the same in character and person. We can depend upon God. In this passage of scripture that we read moments ago in Malachi chapter 3, now the people of Israel, you got to understand here, they were They were a mess during this time. The priests were a mess. They were not teaching the things of God. The people were a mess. They were not honoring and worshiping and loving God. Uh, They were bringing, you know, sick, blind, and maimed animals for sacrifice. They had no respect for the Lord whatsoever. They were far from God in their hearts. Now, they were still participating in many of the rituals of religion, but they were not themselves a part of the faith which was to be behind that religion. And so they were just going through the motions. And God speaks to them in their situation in this passage of Scripture. He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Now the people had changed because they were unfaithful. And there had been times in the past when the people had been faithful, but they were not at this point. And he says, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Now, that's comforting, isn't it? He says, I haven't destroyed you because I'm faithful. Now, you're unfaithful and you deserve to be destroyed, but my character is always the same. And I have made promises in the past to the descendants of Jacob. And I'm keeping my promises and I am being faithful and I am loving you because I am God and I never change. Now, when we talk about miracles, we need to understand This number one fact, this is the most important thing that you'll take away from today, is that God truly is immutable. God truly is unchangeable. He never changes and can never be changed. Now, I want you to understand something in light of that. God never changes. And this is the most important thing that you need to understand today. Now, you may say, well, I knew that walking in. God never changes. 
He's always the same yesterday, today, forever. I know that. But do you really know that? Because if you know that, would you ask the question in your mind, does God work today the way he did back in Old Testament times and New Testament times? You see, when the rubber meets the road and we're talking about practical application of what we know so often, we miss the mark. We say that we believe God is unchanging, but in reality, we believe God has changed. He's not the same. He doesn't care maybe about us the same as he did others in the past, but God is the same. And one thing we see here is that he always honors his covenant, his promises that he makes with his people. Now, God's made a covenant with us, hasn't he, in the New Testament? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That covenant can be summed up in John 3, 16, a verse that so many of us know. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if we have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins, if we believe that he was God and that he came and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, if we believe that that was for us, that sacrifice, we entrust our life to him, we are saved. And God is always faithful, even when we're unfaithful. We have a bad day after we're saved. We have impure thoughts in our mind, or we say something we shouldn't say, or we do something we shouldn't do. God is faithful, even when we are unfaithful. And he has laid hold of us because of our faith in him and the covenant he has made with us. And he keeps us saved. Isn't that a miracle? It is, isn't it? It's an incredible miracle. And yet we so often miss the miracles that God does all around us. In light of God's unchanging nature, we can depend upon him. We can depend on him to fulfill his promises. Now, I want you to really pay attention the rest of the way. Because in light of the fact that God is in the business of doing miracles today, and in light of the fact that God is unchanging and can never be changed, we need to look at some passages of Scripture in a new light. One is in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. What What does he say? Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be open. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be open. He's saying be persistent in your prayers and know that I'm going to answer them. I am going to answer your prayers. That's what Jesus says. I'm going to answer your prayers every time you pray. Now, many of us would look at that and say, well, wait, 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 wait just a minute. There have been times that I have prayed for something and I have not received my answer. God has not given me what I asked for. Now, it does not say there that God is going to give you what you ask for every time, right? But it does say that he is going to answer your prayer every time. That's what Jesus says here. Now, the best example of this that I can see in all of Scripture is found in Daniel chapter 3. And in verse 16 and following, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You that grew up in church, you know this story so well. It's a funny story. But we so often miss this little tidbit to the story that is recorded for us in chapter 3, verse 16. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had lived in a time when they were commanded to worship the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And they had determined not to do so. And the consequence for not worshiping the king was to be thrown into a fiery furnace and burned to death, burned alive. And so they were confronted with this. 
bow down and worship me, Nebuchadnezzar said, the king, or I will throw you into the furnace. And they refused to do so, and it angered the king greatly. And he prepared the furnace for them. And we see their response to Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. We're not going to defend our actions before you. What you think of us doesn't really matter to us. It's okay if you disagree. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Now, hear what they're saying here. I know my God is unchanging. I know what my God has done in the past. I know my God is capable, able to do today what he has done in the past. And if you throw us in this furnace, God can rescue me from your hands. Now you need to understand he's going to rescue me one way or the other. But he can literally reach in and pull me out of the furnace. That's what they wanted him to understand. God's going to rescue us either way. But he can literally rescue me out of rescue us literally, and they seem to have a confidence in that fact and that that was going to happen. That he can rescue us out. But even if he doesn't, you just need to understand we trust God and His faithfulness to us, and that He's going to care for us either way. Their prayer was going to be answered, and it was. Just so happened, it was one of those moments that. The natural was suspended and the supernatural happened and fire didn't burn like it normally does. And they were rescued. God can. But even if he doesn't, you need to understand, we know he's going to answer our prayers for deliverance and we're going to be delivered from you. God answers prayers every single time. They confess God is able, unchanging, and faithful. And one way or another, we're going to see it happen. James chapter 5 says, if you bring the elders of the church together... If you're sick and you are anointed and prayed for, you'll be lifted up. You'll be healed. Now, we have seen times when we pray for people and they are not healed and raised up from the bed, right? Now, do we look at that passage of Scripture and say miracles don't happen today? Do we look at that passage of Scripture and say that it is wrong? It was incorrectly translated. Do we look at it and say the Bible is wrong at this point? Or could we look at it in another way? It is appointed man and woman wants to die, right? We're all going to face that someday. And sometimes we have prayed over people and we have seen them miraculously healed. I had a lady in the church that I pastored down in College Station. She was diagnosed with cancer. Now, this lady did not want to go through cancer treatment, didn't feel like that this was something that needed to happen. She'd lived a long life, said, I'm not taking treatment. I'm just going to pray. And that's what she did. At the time, she was in, I think, her late 60s, early, mid, late 60s, somewhere. She hadn't lived really that long. But in her mind, she had lived long enough, said, I'm ready to see the Lord, and I don't want to go through all of this. This is not what I'm going to choose. I'm just going to leave it in the Lord's hand. And she began to pray for healing. Others prayed for healing for her. Never had one single treatment for her cancer. She died just a couple of years ago in her 90s. Cancer was gone. She was healed. Now, now... I could sit up here this morning and give you report after report after report, story after story after story about how people were miraculously healed physically. 
I could bring you stories up about how people had arms that were regrown. And I could bring stories up to you about people even being raised from the dead. And there are, there are really, literally, evidences. There is evidence to back up these stories, so many of these stories. But they're, they're not going to change the facts. They just illustrate the fact. And what I want you to understand this morning is that God always answers prayers. And sometimes James chapter 5 is answered by God lifting us up and taking us home. You see, sometimes we are lifted up out of the bed physically and we are healed like Janet Loveless was. And sometimes, as she was some 20, 25 years later, we are healed not by the illness being taken up from our body, but by us being taken up from that physical body itself and taken into glory. Either way, a miracle happens and a prayer is answered. Do you see, we're like the king who looked at the oaks and he said, no miracle has happened here. And his counselor said, you have no eyes to see the power of God and you have missed his mystery and his miraculous hand. So often that's where we are. We miss the miraculous. God always answers prayers. He is immutable. He is unchanging. He's always dealing with us as he has always dealt with mankind. And we need to understand that although in our perspective, it may look like Things aren't happening quite the way we hoped. They are happening. And what is happening is a miracle. There are times that God allows us to endure difficulties for his glory and our gain. So we might become more like Christ. The Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. But if you take that verse in context, context in Romans 8, what the good is there is that we would become more like Christ. It doesn't mean that he's going to work all things together that we might have more money. It doesn't mean he's going to work all things together that we might always be healthy, wealthy, and wise. But what it does mean is that he's going to work all things together so that we can become more like Christ day by day. And there is no greater miracle than that. Now, I can tell you that from personal experience. The fact that I can be more like Christ, and someday I'm going to, to be perfectly like Christ in every way is, is, is beyond my imagination to comprehend. And it's a miracle unto itself. But God allows us to endure things sometimes so that that miracle can take place. Israel didn't win every battle when they walked into the promised land. There was a little town called Ai. And this little town, they, it was so small and so insignificant that the Israelites said, we don't need to send our whole army over there to defeat these guys. Let's just pick a few of us and let's go over and whip them and be done with it and we'll come back home. And they went out there to fight them and that little town whipped them. I mean, give them a whooping. It was bad. And why did that happen? Because there was sin in the camp. And what God taught the children of Israel through that moment is that partial obedience is no obedience at all. That God demanded a holy people and a people who are going to be uniquely obedient to him in all ways if they were going to see his hand upon them and see him fight for them. Moses didn't enter the promised land. And in that event, because he did not enter the promised land, the children of Israel were taught the cost 
of disobedience to God. Paul experienced a thorn in the flesh, he told the Corinthian church, that God did not remove from him. Why did he do that? Why would God do that? Why would God allow this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was? We Scholars think that it, it may have been his eyesight, that he had bad eyes. He may have had some other physical problem. But why? why? Why allow him to endure that? Couldn't he be so much more effective if he didn't have this, if he wasn't burdened by this? But Paul says it's in this event and in this thorn of the flesh that I have learned dependence upon Christ. It has increased my faith and it has made me stronger in him. So I'm not depending on what I can do and my strength. I'm depending on Christ. Can God do a miracle? Absolutely he can do a miracle. Can he suspend the laws of nature to do something supernatural? Yes, and he does. But sometimes he chooses not to do so. And when that happens, we shouldn't lose all hope that he could, could, could do those things in the future we should just depend and trust in what he's doing now for the greater miracle, and that is making us more like Christ. God can always remove the thorn, heal the sickness, remove the pain, deliver the martyr, but he doesn't always do so. And on this side of heaven, often we ask the question, why? But let me assure you that on the other side of heaven, we will never ask the question, why? We will understand why. C.S. Lewis wrote this. Listen carefully. I should have put it up for you. But he said, at the end of all things, when the sun rises on believers in heaven and the twilight turns to blackness down there on those in hell, the blessed will say, we have never lived anywhere except heaven. And the lost will say, we were always in hell. And both will speak the truth from his book, The Great Divorce. Listen to that again. At the end of all things, when the sun rises on believers in heaven and the twilight turns to blackness down there on those in hell, the blessed will say, we have never lived anywhere except heaven. And the lost will say, we were always in hell. And both will speak truly. For believers in Christ, hindsight from heaven is a picture of God's plan unfolded. His provision, care, and miracles realized even when we overlooked or missed them while walking our days here on earth. In heaven we will say there was never a day we were separated from the love, care, and the miraculous found in God. It was always happening. Does God do miracles today? Absolutely He does. Do we always see those miracles? Absolutely not. But He's still in the business of doing miracles. I want to tell you one more story. As I prepare to close, some time ago you saw the video, I'm sure, of about 20 or so men being led on a beach in Libya and executed. They were beheaded by ISIS. I was talking recently to Doug Beck about this, and many of you know Doug. He's a missionary that came out of our church and has been all over the world. And he met the wife of one of those men. And he told me, he said, this woman was speaking to a group of us and she said that she made certain, because there was a video made of this that ISIS put out, showed the whole gruesome execution of these men. She said, I made certain that my children saw this and saw their father beheaded for his faith. I thought, what? See, what was not shown on the TV and what was so often missed is that as those men were walked out on the beach, they were praising the Lord. They were praying. There was, there was a peace in their heart. 
And she said, I want my children to see their father as he faced execution, as he became a martyr for his Christ, that their Christ was faithful to him to the end. That he was doing in that moment the miraculous. And some would say, well, where was the miracle? They died. No, he was doing the miraculous because he was pouring the grace into their life in that moment to face death for the glory of God. Does God still work miracles? Yes, he works miracles. But we have become so full of self that we think a miracle only takes place when a prayer is answered in the way that we specifically have voiced to our God. Let me tell you something. Ask God to wake you up to the unchanging nature of God, His power at work in your life, and the bigger picture of what He's doing and allowing you to be a part of with Him. Because He has saved you, miracle. After He created you, miracle. And He is making you more like Jesus, miracle. And He is working all things together in your life for your good, miracle, that you may become like Jesus, miracle. And yes, He is suspending the natural to do the supernatural all the time. And you may participate in that miracle. But you are participating in the life of God and the plan of God for this generation. Miracle. God is in the business of doing miracles and you may participate in them if you're willing to have open eyes to see what He's doing in the world around you. I want to ask you today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin and Lord of your life. He's in the business of changing lives today just as He always has been. And if you don't know if you have a relationship with God, we would love to talk to you about it in a few minutes and help you understand how you can do that. But for those in here who know Jesus Christ as their Savior from sin and the Lord of their life, their ruler, their king, I want to challenge you today You may have looked at your life as ho-hum. And you may have looked at your life as just a common man kind of existence with nothing really unusual happening in it. I want to challenge you today to walk out of here a changed life. To ask God to help you to see the miracle you are and the miracle that you are becoming and all of the miracles that He is doing around you to get you from point A to point B. God is doing a miracle in your life. And he will continue to do miracles in your life. And what an exciting thing to have such vision that you might begin to see and participate in those miracles. Ask him to give you eyes to see. Let's pray together.